Hey, it's the Game Day Podcast. Elliot Harrison here, and I got a new guest this week. You know, I'm always with Rod Woodson, and this week we wanted to bring in a bulldozer, but not a bulldozer like you're thinking about. Steven Jackson, one of the most powerful running backs I think I've ever seen. Dude, it's really good to see you. Thank you, Elliot. Pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm glad to get the phone call. See what kind of fun we can get into today. Well, I like the Smedium polo shirt you're wearing. Is it tight around the biceps? It is, isn't it? it hey, biceps yeah. are just built in like that. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But excuse me. Excuse me. A lot to get to. Uh, want to go into these games. Uh, week six. Week six already, man. It's unbelievable. But before we get to all the games, and, and I want to talk Le'Veon Bell with you for sure, I got to point out the craziest bet of, well, you can call it the bet of the week, and our producer Ryan calls it the bet of the week. This is like the bet of the last 10 years. Check this out. So this dude did a parlay. I'm going to pull it up right here. I got to read it. Like, when you see how involved this is, there's no way I can memorize this. Okay, the guy bets 10 bucks, $10, all right? He bets on DeAndre Hopkins to score a touchdown at any time. Uh, he, he bets on DJ Moore, the Carolina Panthers speedster, to score a touchdown at any time. Uh, Ravens defense to score a touchdown. Now, that's a little harder. You know, good defense scores what, Stephen? Five, six times a year, yeah, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Except there are probably some years on the Rams, you guys didn't score any touchdowns on defense. Uh, it, was, it was thin pickings there for a while. Uh, okay. So, we got Baltimore defense, DJ Moore, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He bets on Brandon Cooks in the Jaguars-Texans game to score a touchdown at any time. Okay. That means he can score in the first quarter. He can score in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter if it's garbage time as long as he scores a touchdown. Okay. Then he bets on Henry Ruggs third to score a touchdown. And he caught that deep ball from uh, yeah. Derek Carr. By the way, that guy can fly. Yeah. Okay. And then not Derek Carr, uh, Henry Ruggs. <laughs> and then uh, Eagles Steelers, Travis Fulham to score a touchdown as well. So you've got all these different touchdown scores. Do you know how much he won? $10 bet. Take a guess. 10000 Because he hit on every single one of these. You're actually not far off. $17,476.30. It's unbelievable. Do you know how many That's things a bit? That's a I mean, you, right there. You could go to Taco Bell for like five years on that. Get the 99-cent bean burritos. Dude, your, your money. Your money. Unbelievable bet. And uh, I don't think I could ever do that in my life. But congrats to that guy. Yeah, Holy cow. To him. Some of those are hard, too. I mean, DJ Moore has not exactly been a huge scorer. Uh, the Baltimore defense. Henry Ruggs III's been hurt. It's, that was a heck of a, heck of a parlay. Okay. So I teased that I wanted to talk about Le'Veon Bell before we get into a lot of the game previews. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. So, obviously, this news could change. But, you know, Stephen, you played the position. Let's see, you came into the league in 04, and you played until I think the 2015 AFC Championship was your last game, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, so, you played 12 years in the league. Le'Veon Bell, is, is, he's not at that stage yet where he's at the end of the road, at least I, I don't think. But it feels like, without being overly critical, this guy is doing a lot to hamper his own career from where you sit, how do you – what do you think of this situation? Was it predictable with the Jets? Do you blame him? What, what, where do you fall on this? I actually do think it's, it was predictable. You know, um, I think Le'Veon Bell is a world talent. And like you, I don't think this is the end of the road for him. He has made it quite challenging for himself because people are now going to question, is it his character? Um, you know, is he going to be a good fit in certain locker rooms? And that he has to take on into his responsibility in that part. I think for me, the reason I thought it was going to be a doom of a relationship for him is because Adam Gates, did, he was never interested in him. So when you, had a, right. when you have a coach that wasn't interested in your talent and then you guys begin to slide um, in losing, you know, um, I can see the frustration being built in because Le'Veon don't know that part of the NFL. He had the success of Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown around him and, yep. and, and an and a organization that only had three head coaches, right? So all they know is stability. So once he got out of that comfort zone of stability, he really realized the NFL is not as easy as he thought it was. For sure. And I'm, I'm pulling up his numbers right now. I, uh, I think that's a really great point uh, about organizational culture, really. Uh, it's what you're referring to. And, and I feel like 
at times, a lot of us fans, analysts, don't think about that, that it's more than just the coach, right? It's the entire staff. It's the GM. It's the other players around you. It's the, the, the culture of the locker room. It's totally different in New York. Uh, okay, so Le'Veon Bell is 28 years old. The thing that I think is going to help him a lot, Stephen, with whoever he lands with is his ability as a pass catcher because you've got to have that. You look at the Bucks right now, and they're worried about Ronald Jones being able to catch the ball. I mean, if you've got a tailback, especially that can catch the ball, especially with a veteran quarterback that's looking at you as a safety valve, I think it makes you a lot more employable. Uh, you know, Le'Veon's had cat seasons of 83 catches, 75 catches, 85 catches, caught 66 last year. Um, do you have a place that you could see him landing, or how do you think this is going to go for him? You know what? I think um, for him, it's either – I can see a spot like Tampa, but they have to let shed some weight in the backfield, you know, maybe Shady McCoy or somebody. But, or, or you have to wait for injury, unfortunately, for a, a running back in the future that, he, that running back goes down and then Le'Veon talent is needed there. The thing with Le'Veon is going to be unique, not because he could catch the ball in the backfield, is – that offensive coordinator has to be patient enough with Le'Veon running style. And I think that's what a lot of people yeah. think about, right, is that he had the ability to be very patient with Ben and that offense in, in Pittsburgh, where you get to a new offense, that offensive coordinator, is not, you're not um, on time on downs, or he's impatient with the running game. He's going to go away from Le'Veon. Then that becomes very isolated, and then maybe you have to worry about the attitude or whatever it is and, you know, that I don't know. I don't know Le'Veon personally. But whatever it is that makes his fire go – you have to worry, is it going to backfire now because you're not using him appropriately? Right. You know, I, we won't spend all day on the, the history of the running back position, but just one last little note on this. We've talked about this all day. I, mean, I, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, I want to get into the games, but I, I, just one last little thing on this. Um, you talked about an offensive coordinator's patience with the running game. There's also patience within the running game. Guys like Frank Gore and Le'Veon, I know they're different backs, but one thing that's very similar about them, Emmett Smith had this, is the willingness to let your block set up and then hit it. You know, Le'Veon has that little stutter step. And, you know, a lot of run game coordinators or offensive coordinators, they want their running backs to be one cut and go, just go and hit it. And Le'Veon's not that kind of back. He, he could do it when he wants. And I think, Stephen, he is one of the more unique running backs we've seen over the, the last 10 years. Wouldn't you agree? I will agree. You know, um, he and I are very similar in size. Um, I, I, I play that a little heavier than he does. But I will say he had this. He has a hesitation step where I had the jump cut that I would buy myself. Yeah. And, and with that, you're right. You have to have the right coordinator to understand that talent and that, and that division. That's really what it is. That Frank Gore that you mentioned is patient, way beyond patient, is because you see things playing out or you know that the guard needs a hesitation of a step to be able to climb up to the linebacker so that'll open up that running lane for yourself and offensive coordinators in my opinion who don't um have never played a position or haven't been around a lot of run um, schemes is that they don't understand that it is actually set up the blocks it's not just hit it and go and um it really depends on who understands that and who don't yeah, you, you had a jump cut, kind of like Marshawn Lynch. You also remind me a little bit of a guy from the 80s. John Riggins was really good at riding his guard, you know, kind of putting his hand on his, on his guard and then, and then hitting it and being a power back. You were a really good power back. But I think that's enough. I think that's a full dissertation on the running back position, uh, you know. But it's interesting because it, that's what's going on. And uh, Ryan and Steve over the game day were like, bro, we can only talk about the pandemic so much. Can we talk about something else? you know, at the top. And I was like, this is, this is something I wanted to, to hit with you. Uh, a couple things from last week. Um, we pick every week. We're going to pick some games with you. Uh, I did okay last week. I went four and two. I'm 18 and seven uh, against the line on the season, which I'll be honest, Steven, I think I'm a little lucky. That's like a remarkable record and I'm not that's that good. good. I, I'm not good. that good. Uh, I'm but a baby I'm, kid, man. Like, that's, like, your name will start going around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that I want that. I just casino was on the other night. I'm like, I don't know that I want to be known for that. Yeah. So, uh, but just to get that out, and uh, a couple trends, real quick. Uh, home teams right now are 40, 36, and one against the spread. Home teams are 35, 42, and one. So against the spread, home teams not doing so hot. Uh, over-unders, the over is 43 and 33. And I want to stop right there. So 
I actually thought that was going to be higher. It seems like, Stephen, there's been so many points scored so far through five weeks. And the only thing that I can guess is that, particularly the secondary, those guys need to work together. They need training camp and preseason because so much of, of uh, secondary play is zone now where you've got to communicate, right? That's my best explanation for why the overs are high or the point totals are high. Do you think I'm on to something, or do you think it's something else? I think you're on to something, but I think it's actually on the opposite side of the ball. is communication. They, the stadiums are empty. and uh, Wow. Okay. Very clear compared to, like, you know, you down there in the 12th man in Seattle, you can't hear anything. Where now everybody can talk to each other, and the, uh, the crowd is pretty much cut out. That's a great point. Did you happen to catch the Seattle-Minnesota Sunday night game? I it was, did. It was crazy. I thought Collinsworth – people give Collinsworth a hard time. I think he does a good job, and he made a great point. He said, would Minnesota have gone for it on that fourth and a half yard if that crowd was going wild? I think Zimmer would have kicked the field goal, and I think Minnesota probably would have won. What do you think? I agree with Collinsworth, and I agree with that assessment. I think that, that, that crowd noise throws the ability for someone to jump all sides now, right? And then, um, yeah. but, you know, in a game like that, where, again, you can hear the quarterback cadence, you can hear everything, you can hear the adjustments, uh, it takes that, that anxiety out of that. Yeah, definitely. A uh, couple other little things here. We've, we've got Super Bowl odds. And who, what team, just I'm going to give you a little trivia here. What team do you think Vegas is favoring to win the Super Bowl at this stage of the season? Who do you think has got the best odds, if you just had to guess? Green Bay Packers. So Green Bay is plus 900. There are three teams ahead of them. Uh, Seattle, like basically nine to one for Green Bay. Seattle is plus 800. Baltimore is plus 550. And Kansas City is plus 400. So they're saying Kansas City, one. Baltimore, two. Seattle, three. Green Bay, four. What do you think? Do you, it, you, you think Green Bay would be one. Who would be your two there out of KC, Baltimore, and Seattle? So right now it would be KC, and then I'll go – I would then put Seattle in front of Baltimore. Okay. I, think, um, I, I know we're going to talk probably a little bit more about the play at the quarterback position, but Russell's playing um, – he's playing some of the best football he's played in his career, and that's, that's impressive to say just that. By the way, if you're watching this and you see me blinking a lot, people, dude, I'm having a problem with my contacts. Don't sleep in your contacts. Don't do it. It isn't worth it. I know Gladiator's on, and you want to watch it, and you fall asleep with a bag of Cheetos, and then your eyes are hurting the next day. Get up, go brush your teeth, take your contacts out, put your glasses on, then you can fall asleep to Hope Floats or, you know, one of Stephen's favorite rom-coms. Just, that's just a little friendly PSA for all of you guys out there. All right, uh, MVP. Who do you think what Vegas has is the odds to win the MVP? This should be interesting. So my pick, and I hope I'm, I'm hope I'm in line with Vegas. I'm going Russell Wilson. That is correct, sir. Okay, who do you think's two? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. He is three. Uh, Rogers is two. Not not surprising. Yeah. Uh, Lamar is four. Okay. Now this one's interesting. I know I'm putting you on the spot. I don't expect you to get this right. I would not have gotten number five. Number five is not a quarterback. Plays your old position. Who do you think it is? Um, oh, who's playing good at running back right now? Oh, um, Minnesota Cooks, Dalvin. It's not Dalvin Cook. It is a guy similar to Le'Veon Bell and yourself that can do just as much damage in the passing game. Alvin Kamara is there. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about that: the next the next time I see a running back win the MVP, I'll probably be ninety. You'll be 80-something years old, and, uh, you know, <laughs> at this point, it's like the quarterback award, which, by the way, drives me a little bit nuts uh, sometimes. But uh, anyway, okay, that's enough. When I'm, I'm done asking you about odds. I'm putting you on the spot. But I thought some of this was interesting because, number one, I'm kind of with you. I think Green Bay should be a little more favored to win the Super Bowl given the way they're playing. And then also with the MVP odds – when I saw Alvin Kamara up there, I'm going, you know, I'm trying to think. The last time a running back won the MVP, I think, Stephen, was, uh, was it Adrian Peterson Adrian in Peterson. 2012 yeah. when he came yeah. back from the, uh, the, knee, the injury. knee injury? Yeah. Yeah. And then think, a while. You know, Go ahead. I think Dalvin Cooks, too. I think right now um, he's not as flashy. He's not on TV as much as the Saints and Alvin Kamara. 
but I think um, Kamara is the sexy pick, but out, out of the position who's actually getting the yards and who's actually playing the position in a holistic way, I, you know, I got to give the, I got to give the nod to Cooks. Are you into holistic healing? I am, man. Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you, are you, are you How did you know? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Are you vegan? No, I'm not a vegan. So you didn't do the Arian Foster vegan uh, trial run? No, no, I tried to tell him not to either. But <laughs> yeah, tell you what though, people could say whatever they him, want. Yeah. Hey, they could say whatever they want to be undrafted and lead the NFL in rushing, and then also have one of the most beautiful rushing styles I've ever seen in my life. And uh, that guy used to do – he had this great little move where he would tomahawk the ball to get an extra yard. Like, he'd be getting tackled, but he would always yeah. – so, anyway, uh, so great, great player. On that point, though, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. And, um, and uh, Foster. Yeah. University of Tennessee. So, oh. what is that about them? Do they, do they forget how to evaluate their position? Man. <laughs> <laughs> <Wait, wait. laughs> Maybe so. I mean, you know, look, you just don't find running back factories like Oregon State anymore, you know. They're just, uh, yeah. yeah you, better, so, you better check our stats, buddy. <laughs> I know. Well, tell you what, man, this has been fun. Uh, we're going to come back and look at some games. I've got a special guest coming up uh, from NFL Pick Watch. But, uh, Steven, stick with us, and we're going to dive into some of these games. All right, we're going to get back to Steven Jackson in a little while, man. So good to work with Steven. What a great player. And uh, I, like, I like getting his insight. But right now, we're going to get a little bit different kind of insight from across the, uh, is it the big pond? You know, some people call it the small pond. But across the Atlantic, over in the UK, I've got Sean Lowry, who started, I think, one of the coolest websites that you may or may not have heard of. It's NFLPickWatch.com. And Sean has been following Every analyst in the business that puts out their predictions publicly, whether it's through website, TV, etc., has been doing it, I believe, since 2012. Sean, it's really good to see your face. I've never seen your face until now. You got a better beard than I do. Oh well, that's probably the best compliment I could possibly get. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, it's past 10 o'clock there, I believe now. So this is technically uh, predictions after dark. Well, you know, things get pretty wild after dark when it comes to the old predictions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be on. It's nice to actually kind of get to obviously see you in, in person as well. Well, I tell you what, I dropped my earphones for this segment because you've got the cool looking earring style ear pods on. So I decided to go naked, you know. Yeah. Just, just, you look, I'm going to let you look cooler for this. You know, I think I first became aware of pickwatch.com probably in 2016, and I just loved being able to see, and if, if anyone's listening at home or whatever, check this website out uh, if you can, either as soon as we get off or while you're listening, because it's kind of cool. You have the graphics of all the teams, and you can see what analysts, not only what their picks are, but you can see, like, what are the most popular picks of the week? What, what analysts are picking games that other people aren't? You have the percentage of analysts that are, say, picking the Rams to beat the 49ers in San Francisco. And it'll say, like, 84% and 16% are picking the 49ers. And then because you've got the team graphics there, you could see what analysts actually said, no, 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 I think the 49ers are going to win. It's, it's very pleasing to the eye. Um, what, what gave you the idea not only to do the website but to form it the way you did? Yeah, so I think uh, the inspiration for it came, I was making my picks in my fantasy league. So like a lot of people, I had a fantasy league that had a pick em element to it. So I'm making these picks and week after week, I'm looking and I'm thinking I'm doing pretty well here. I'm doing okay. But I kind of want to know what everyone else is doing. And so I started tracking by hand, you know, maybe I'd say about 60 experts. I put them into an Excel sheet. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe some other people are looking for this. There doesn't seem to be anything else. So I stuck it into a blog. At the time, I was copy and pasted into like Blogger or something. Um, and it was really basic, but people loved it. Um, you know, some of the guys from, you know, around the NFL and a few other places like that sort of got a hold of it. Uh, Mike Freeman from Bleacher Report. And all of a sudden, you know, one day you wake up and you've got like a million people viewing this and you realize there's something there and there's a lot of demand for that. And there's a lot of kind of, um, interest in it. And that inspired me to take it to the next level. So I really see the site as an educational tool. You know, we're all looking for this info 
it's sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's not so good. And it's really helpful to find out who's hot, who's not. Um, we've tracked now over 500 experts over that time between the NFL and college football. Um, and we've had about 10 million picks put into our database by experts and fans. So we've got an incredible amount of data and we can actually pull out quite small subsections of that and find really useful stuff. But we can also see the big picture. And so, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm glad you like it. That's, uh, that's a pretty cool. And, and going back to 2016, that was when you actually won PickWatch. You actually beat everyone that year. Well, uh, I appreciate that. I'm a little, because the guys that work at the game day really don't buy that I know how to pick games, it is a little bit gratifying to hear that. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, when I worked at the NFL, so I picked games every week from 2012 to 2018. 2012, I actually had my best season, but I didn't start picking games until I want to say like week five or six. When you do the standings, though, you do it based on overall wins, not winning percentage, right? Because you basically, you favor the people that are putting themselves out there and picking every single game straight up. That's right. And that comes from our users. So we have tried both. Um, at one point, we used percentages, but we found it was quite easy to game. So if you think about straight up, to me, and I think to most of our users, picking straight up means you should pick every game if you can. And certainly that there's an incentive there to pick every game because most pick'em leagues are based on getting the most wins, not on the win percentage. You can't stop after week one with your 16 and 0 and then claim the title at the end of the season. So you've got to pick every game when it comes to straight up. When it comes to against the spread, on the other hand, that's when we kind of offer a little bit more leeway and we start to say that somebody who's picked, say, 50% of the games but has a great record, well, mm -hmm. that's, that's actually really useful because in against the spread, you don't need to get them all right. And very few pick'em leagues are based on against the spread. So, yeah, um, going back to what you said there about uh, the number of wins as opposed to the percentage, you actually also came second, didn't you, in 2018? You came second by... Uh, a whisker and that whisker was that you had picked an extra game and the winner had picked one less game and had one less loss so it wasn't that yeah. you had one less win now i think when we go back to that i would say morally you may have a victory there and actually we introduced like private leagues for our users this year so you can start a league you know you yourself and uh, all the guys here you can start a private league and run a pick em thing and one of the tiebreakers would be that it would be based on the number of games you picked. So that would then favor you in that scenario. So going back, there's a little moral victory for you there. Yeah, well, if I won the league twice and there's 200 analysts <laughs> each year, I don't know what the mathematical chances of one person winning it twice are. But have you had any, any analysts that have won it more than once? That is a very loaded question that you asked there, Elliot, and uh, I'm very aware that no, we have not. Um, we've had a few good analysts, though. We've had somebody win it and come second as well. So we've we've had a couple of people who've done really well, but no, Elliot, you stand a top three I, I, on that basis. I, I, promise, <laughs> I promise I did not know the answer to that question because you've been doing it since 2012. That's right. And I didn't discover it until 2016. And I can tell you, Truly, that there were some guys that were always at the top of the leaderboard when I looked. Sam Farmer was really good at picking games, LA Times. Mm -hmm. Jamie Eisenberg was really good at picking games. Those were probably the two best that I saw. Yeah. Um, there was one other guy, and I, I can't remember. But you, you had the same people uh, finishing at the top. So, no, that was not a humble brag. I honestly no. didn't know because I didn't follow you. Unfortunately, I didn't follow you early in your run. Not to mention, you know, Sean, I could sit here and brag all day, but there's, there's a lot of luck that goes to it. And for me, um, you know, I always pick the games on Wednesdays because we would do the article on Thursday and I had to turn it into my editors. So on one hand, I was um, behind the eight ball because I didn't have the injury reports. On the other right. hand, I didn't let that cloud my judgment too much. You know, if you start going over the injury reports and you get too into that, you can – so I don't know if I was lucky or unlucky there, but I think there's an element of luck whenever you pick games. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate that I did better those years. But I remember 2013, I, I had a terrible year picking games. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. Um, so well, do you – That's interesting you, you say that. You know, that is actually something that we, we've definitely seen. People kind of go up and down. We have people who kind of thought, oh, I'm going to branch out and go on my own and, and you know, try and maybe 
even you know kind of do something commercial with their picks and it kind of just goes like that there is some luck involved and but you're sure. right though jamie jamie eisenberg and a couple of others they were they were pretty consistent yeah um but i i did used to get some heat around the nfl offices about my picks and i finally just said you know what take a look at this and and one time i was really getting heat on twitter and you tweeted, you're like, you know, you're actually talking to the guy that won the league. Like somebody was saying how bad I was at picking games. And it's, you know, people expect you to be able to pick, you know, 90% right. Honestly, Sean, if you pick 65, I would say, or better, you're going to be in the top 10 or 20 of the 200 analysts, won't you? Agreed. Yeah. And so the best record anyone's ever finished with over a whole season is 70.3%. That was, that was actually Ron Javorski. That was back in 2013. He finished with 70.3%. Yeah. And that should tell you that at this level, when it gets to that stage, anything between 65, I think our lowest was 67% for a win. But like you say, anything over 65, you're probably going to be on the front page, apart from this year, where for some reason, we've got a bunch of experts sitting on 70 plus percent. So we're expecting a big sort of revert to the mean plunge over the next few weeks. Um, I think this sure. season's been a bit of an interesting one on that basis, but maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that later. It, it, it gets really difficult. You know, I was actually the opposite. I often started really slow and I caught up with everybody during the, the late games that, that people didn't know late in the season, who's going to play what. Um, but I felt like that's when trends started to crystallize. I only picked 70%, I think once ever, and that was in 2012, but I didn't pick all the games. And as you said, if you don't pick all the games and it really doesn't count, now, you don't keep track of how people pick against the spread, do you? No, we do, yeah. So you we, do? We, we do, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, really we, cool. We track, we track um, hundreds of experts across against the spread. We also track thousands of users as well. So we've got thousands of our players all making their against the spread picks. Uh, you're picking against the spread, is that right, this year? I am. So I, I pick the over-unders and I pick against the spread. I don't do any other of the prop stuff, just over-unders and spread. And I think right now I'm 18 and seven. So what would, where would 18 and seven put me against other people who pick against the spread this year? Well, 18 and seven, so you're on 72%. Um, so that would, that would put you top right now, 18 and seven. In those isolated games, but I always say that I'd rather know somebody who can pick 20% of the games correctly then I would know somebody who picks every single game but only gets 54% right or something because the margin of error that you have at that level is, is pretty small. Whereas if you're getting 72% right, well, the profit margin is around about 20% that you've got there. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I think if you're picking games straight up and you're not having to pick against Vegas, pick them all. I mean, I, yeah. I could tell you I was horrible, Sean, at picking Thursday night football. The, the year that I won your league, I think I was under 500 on Thursday night football, um, it, that was the toughest one for me. Um, yeah, but I think well, I, do you want do you want to know that actually? Because I can tell you. Yeah, um, go so ahead. we have all we have a lot of meta stats, so I can tell you which teams you picked well and which teams you didn't. I know so, one year you sent me, you told me I picked the Ravens games better than any other analyst, and I thought that's funny because Ravens fans always tell me how awful I am. <laughs> so I found right, that yeah. particularly funny. But okay, in 2018. I know, I know I had a really good record, but I think Thursday night football, I was terrible. Can you pull that up? Um, I, can, I can pull it up. I'll pull it up in time for uh, another chat at some point. I can okay. just tell you your overalls. Um, in 2018, you actually picked the Rams the best, the LA Rams. Ah. Well, okay. then, yeah, they took the LA Rams at the time, yeah. The Patriots, they're a classic because everyone just picks them to win, so, yeah, and they invariably do. Um, the Saints, you picked well. In 2018, you didn't pick Washington, Detroit, Dallas. Jacksonville or Tennessee very well. All of those are sort of hovering around the 50% mark. Thank but you the for the big that. ones that you've got right. Indianapolis, Indianapolis, that's a difficult team to pick. Yeah. They're the, they're the ones that really matter. And we always talk about clutch games. So we talk about anything where the expert consensus is between 50% and 74%. That indicates that there's enough um, sort of divergence of opinion. Sure. This game is difficult to pick. If you can pick those games right, then you're pretty good. We also know a bunch of stats on that too. Um, you know, it's fascinating to me. So back to your point about the, I'd rather have 20, because I thought this was really important what you said. I'd rather have somebody who picks 20% of the games and gets them right than somebody that just picks everything. When we're talking about against Vegas, <clears throat> um, 
you know, I feel the same way. And I think if you're a gambler, I think one of the best pieces of advice you could get from somebody who considers themselves a, a gambling sage is walk away from this game. Vegas did its job. If, if you think the score of a game is going to be 28-24 um, and Vegas puts the over-under at 52, don't bet on it no, because right, exactly. you're saying what they are. And if you think mm. the Cowboys are going to win by – seven or the Cardinals are going to win by three. And that's what Vegas has the line at. Don't bet on it. You walk Vegas away. is so good at it. Vegas is so good at predicting, you know, this isn't, this isn't an art for them. This is a science. So when they say 7.5 points and then it comes down to seven, that's a really meaningful shift. Um, if you see something being pretty similar to how Vegas sees it, like you said, walk away. Don't take the chance. And I always encourage people with ATS to know when to walk away. It's something we, are pretty good with a pick watch. We give people a lot more stats about themselves so they can see where they need to just walk away. Like if somebody is picking a team and we have users who've never got a game right for certain teams, we tell them that, you know, don't pick the Carolina Panthers. You're not very good at this. Or at least yeah. look at somebody who actually does pick it really well before you make it. Go with your gut instinct and then just wipe that and take the opposite. Well, I think for me, you know, if I were someone who's in a pick em league with my friends, or that kind of thing, I'd want to know what analysts pick the best in a five-year window. So, like, mm -hmm. I would want to know, like, I, I didn't pick games in 2019. So, like, I'd want to know 2014 to 2018. I'd want to know how I did, like, mm -hmm. self-scout. And then I'd want to know who who's the best in a five-year window. That's who I'd go with because it's, as you said, there's so many dips. Mm. I feel like if you have a five-year average, you can really tell who's the best at prognostication. But uh, no, either way, it, you know, Sean, it's such a cool thing that you do. Uh, NFLPickWatch.com. Check it out. Check out Sean's work. It's really uh, – it's, it's easy. It's, it's, it's pleasing. I, I think the graphics <laughs> choice that you made is what I really love the most about it. You didn't just use the tri-code, you know. Uh, it just made it to where – oh, this is easy to follow. But either way, it's great work, and I'm glad that you did it. And I hope you'll come on and talk with me in the weeks to come. Yeah, I'd love to, Elliot. I'm glad that you like it. And, and you know, we've talked a few times, but I, I think that it's nice to actually be able to sort of have this conversation in person. Um, yeah, we're going to continue doing what we do, and I'm happy to come on. And, and we've got a whole load more stats for you. If at any point you ever want anything expert pick-related or even just fan pick-related, we've got lots of data for you. I want you to know, by the way, I still have at uh, my 1986 Sports Illustrated cover with William Refrigerator Perry and Two Tall Jones on it when the Bears and Cowboys played in London. Not the first London game ever, by the way, but mm -hmm. the most famous. What was the first London game ever? I, I know the Cardinals and Vikings played there in the early 80s, but I think there might have been a game in the late 70s. But the Cowboys-Bears no. was either the second or third. But, yeah, well, uh, well, I'm a huge Bears fan. Uh, I was uh, only three at the time, but uh, I'm a huge Bears fan. So I've uh, actually seen, well, seen them in London. I saw them play Oakland there last year. Um, haven't been out of Soldier Field yet. I've been to many stadiums in America, but never been to Soldier Field yet. Looking it's good that you're only three in 1986 because then you're not one of those guys right. going on eBay paying thousands of dollars for Star Wars figures. You missed that whole thing. So yeah, I did. Good, good for you. Keep your money in your pocket. <laughs> hey, Sean, it's great to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. You too, Elliot. Thanks for your time. All right, take care. Bye. We really appreciate having Sean from NFL Pick Watch on, but now it's time to actually look at these games. We're back with Steven. And, Steven, the first game that I want to get to is Chiefs at Bills. Uh, the Bills did not look good against Tennessee at all. But you know what? Kansas City didn't against the Raiders either. What matchup, what do you think is going to be the key factor in this game? Yeah, I think uh... – you're right. I, I, Buffalo did shock me the way they looked in their last game. Awful. And yeah, yeah. And um, in Kansas City, the one thing about them, they could they could score as quick as a hiccup, you know, whenever they want to. So you got to be able to make sure that you can keep Patrick Mahomes and Checker off the field. So I think a key matchup is actually that Buffalo run offense versus that Kansas City defense. And Steve Spagnuolo, can he stop? Can he get the defense off the field and get the ball back to the offense? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty key myself. The, the number that I'm looking at in this game is 55. That's the over-under. 
So, you know, to get over that, you're looking at like 30 to 26. You're looking at a pretty high scoring game. Now the Bills have put up some points this year. We know Kansas City's capable. Normally, Stephen, in a game at Buffalo, I'd be concerned about calling a 30 to, you know, 29 game, but we're not really in the bad weather time of the year yet. I got to think Kansas City is going to be really motivated. I, I, I think it's going to be over that. What, what, can you give me a score prediction on this game? Who you think is going to win? Yeah, well, that, yeah, sure. I think you're right. I think it's going to be an uh, over scenario. Um, I could definitely see Kansas City having at least five touchdowns. So, yes, you Ooh. know, and then Buffalo. I could see uh, Allen coming through with another four. So, let's call it. Oh, you're doing math in your head. Smoke's yeah, coming am. out of your ears. I, I, I am. Concerned. I am. Let's go 31-38. Uh, 31-38. I've got to go KC, though. Going road team. Okay. By the way, yeah. I should say Kansas City is favored despite being on the road. Kind of interesting thing. They're favored by three. But, you know, road games aren't really road Not games right anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I've heard the theory that it's, it's kind of a three-point swing. So, in other words, a road game last year – would have been three points, you know, for the home team. So basically what they're saying is that if this game were a typical road game in Buffalo with those crowds, Bills Mafia going wild, it would be even. even but yeah. because there is no Bills Mafia going wild, they're basically saying the Chiefs are favored by three. That's my deep dive into gambling for the week. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. explanation, though. Uh, I, I would give it <laughs> mediocre grade. By the way, though, when you were doing the math, it reminded me of when my mom got me one of those TI-81 graphing calculators. I don't know if you remember the ones. I still have mine. Still <laughs> you do not. You would. You would. You're doing your taxes over there? You got your QuickBooks? Yeah, sweet. Sweet. All right. Uh, Browns at Steelers. Uh, this one, Steelers are favored by five and a half. The over-under is 51. Uh, this game's at Heinz Field. Cleveland, Stevens won four in a row. Pittsburgh looks great. They're undefeated. How do you see this game going, and what do you think is the key thing that's going to determine the outcome? Yeah, so I gave a lot of fans grief on, on the internet because I, I have Pittsburgh winning this game. And I actually have Pittsburgh um, going into Tennessee undefeated, right? So that okay. being said, I like, I like Pittsburgh. I, I, the reason I like Pittsburgh is because I still think they have the big brother stigma over the Browns organization. And I know that I – and me being on the opposite end, more on the Brown side of scenarios and rivalry, it's something about when you got to be able to beat that, that big brother team um, and do it in a, in, a, in a way that you just say, yo, this is over with, you know, and we're now taking over uh, the rivalry. I still don't know if Cleveland believe that yet. I don't, yeah. I don't know if they believe that. And I, and I really love their offensive setup. I love the way the defense put together. I just don't know – if the if the Steelers hit them in the mouth like they should, how does that how does that team and the resolve look like? I don't know if they I don't know if we know that yet. Yeah, this one is is a tough one for me. A um, couple things. My key number, by the way, in this game is Cleveland's winning four in a row. I, you know, it's been so rare, Stephen, for that organization to have something positive like this. I mean, they came back into the league in '99. They were awful. They made the playoffs one year in 02. This is what it would have been when you were in, gosh, in 02. Were you in high school? Or I was you, in college, yeah. Yeah, you would have been in college, duh. Uh, a guy named Kelly Holcomb took them to the, the playoffs. They lost. Uh, 07, they finally had a good year again. They paid Derek Anderson all this money, and it didn't turn out well. They just, every time they've had something to cheer about, it, it just comes tumbling down. So, I kind of am pulling for Cleveland a little bit, maybe not in this game, but I'd, I'd like to see this organization put 10 wins together. You know, if they go lose at Pittsburgh, I don't think it's the end of the world. You know, you go in there, you play as hard as you can, uh, but the fact they won four in a row is very encouraging to me. Uh, as far as the betting scenario, I've got Pittsburgh to cover. I think Pittsburgh's going to win by a touchdown. That over-under at 51 sounds just about right to me, which means Vegas did its job, which means keep your money in your wallet. So what, what do you think? What's your prediction on this game? I think you're right. I'm going with you, Pittsburgh, and the over. I, I believe I think uh, Pittsburgh um, will figure a way to, to, to get the win. But like you also, I think it's not, um, it's not devastating for the Cleveland um, for this portion of the, the schedule. And I think – um, I think if, if they do come up short in this game, this is for them to learn in preparation for the next game. 
You bet. And speaking of, you know what, just while we're here talking about the Browns, I'm going to take a look at their upcoming schedule. I just want to see how bad is it going to get here. Hang on. Let's see here. Okay, so they're at Pittsburgh. After this, they're at Cincinnati. They can win that game. They play the Raiders at home. I'm still not a total believer in the Raiders yet. Uh, so even if they lost this game, I could easily see them being 6-2. and two. And then they've got a bye week. They come out of the bye. They've got Houston at home, Philadelphia at home. Those are winnable games. Neither one of those teams have played well. Then they're at Jacksonville. There's no reason this team can't be 7-2. and two. Right. Uh, I, am I am I being pie in the sky here, or am, I mean I, I don't I don't feel like Cincinnati Raiders by Houston Philadelphia Jacksonville is you know something to be all scared about. No, and now that you say that out loud, I don't either. And you know, and and if they continue to create turnovers on defense like they have been, I mean they may get this upset in in, in Pittsburgh and very much be a one loss team. And, you know that's don't jinx my pick, Stephen. Don't jinx my pick. I got <laughs> a good record. I'm not, I'm not yeah. jinxing. I'm not jinxing, but what I'm saying is um, the Browns, if they do come up short, which I think they will, if they do come up short, is not the end of the season for them. No, not at all. By the way, after they go 7-2, and two, then they'll go to Nashville and get beat 30-10. to 10. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sounds great. Way to, way to keep it positive. Okay, uh, this is a really fascinating game in terms of the NFC hierarchy, power structure. Uh, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Um, the big thing in this game to me is Devontae Adams. He's practicing. If he plays, I think this game is a different matchup altogether. Uh, right now, the Bucks are favored, Stephen, uh, by three. Over-unders 52, which is, you know, 28-24 uh, style game. Yeah. What do you see being the big matchup in this one? I think the two quarterbacks. I think it, it boils down to A-Rod and, and, and Brady. Um, who is more accurate, who's, um, who's probably putting up more points in this, in, in, on the scoreboard. For me, I still think that Tom and his receiving core, they're still not on the same page. And me spending that one season with him in New England, I kind of like – I think I have a feel for how he likes uh, to communicate with his receivers. And that's going to take some reps. And that's going to take some game time, experience, and scenarios for them to create that chemistry that he had in New England. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think A-Rod, um, he's playing again. He, he's motivated. I think all the talk about Patrick Mahomes and, and, and all the other quarterbacks around the league mm-hmm. fired, fired him up. I think they do have that chemistry in Green Bay, which Tom is trying to find in, in, in Tampa. So I got to go. I got to go with the home team in Green Bay. My Pilates instructor has a crush on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so I know you believe in Pilates. Women? I don't <laughs> What's that? Is it the Lululemon? <laughs> yeah, yes. But, you know, I just know with you, if you do holistic healing, then you definitely – you probably have avocado ice cream, and I think you definitely practice Pilates. You might even do bar method I don't have avocado ice cream, but I have pistachio ice cream. It's very good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All I can say, Stephen, is healthy fats. Eat your nuts and avocados and make sure you get your protein. Um Okay, this game, my key number is 17, Devontae Adams. I know that's a really easy key number to have, but but Devontae Adams has become such a good receiver. A few years ago, I would go back about four or five years, he was getting ridiculed because he dropped the ball all the time, and, and people – and this is back when the Packers had Jordy Nelson, and, and they were going to other guys. But Devontae Adams, if he's healthy, there's no reason to me Green Bay Packers can't win the Super Bowl. I mean that. I, I, you know, and I know you thought that they would be favored. So originally on this game, I said avoid it altogether because I didn't know about Adams. But if Adams plays, I'm taking the over. I think this game would be higher scoring than 28-24 if Rodgers has his best weapon and Brady's playing at home with his. I don't want to touch that line, though. Three points with this game, I don't want to touch it. So I keep, I keep my money in my pocket there. I play the over. And uh, what do you think? Who wins this game? I think Green Bay wins this game. I think um, – I do think it's going to be high scoring. I don't know if, if there's going to be a lot of Tommy's on his weapons or it may be some trickery um, from, from the offensive coordinator – I mean, from, you know, offensive coordinator or, or from special teams. But I, I do think that uh, if it does come down to a shootout, I think the, the – the chemistry is just not there for Tom Brady in the receiving quarter. Yeah. Against this high-flying offense of Green Bay. 
Yeah, his uh, receiver, Chris Godwin, has been hurt. Chris Godwin, you know, Mike Evans gets all the pub, but Chris Godwin, if you play fantasy, you know Chris Godwin. Um, one last thing on this game before we leave, just because I have a running back here with me. Ronald Jones was a guy that they knew they wanted to be the man. You know Bruce Arians, the, the uh, former Cardinals head coach, now the Bucks head coach, loves to throw to his backs. David Johnson used to catch a lot of balls, and David Johnson used to line up wide and, and run routes. Uh, what do you say or how do you coach – if you were a running backs coach, Stephen, or being a mentor, how would you take a young running back and try to help him with catching the ball better? Like would you, would you go take the more mental tack? Would you just have him catch 500 balls and, until it's just muscle memory? How do you approach a guy that doesn't have a lot of confidence catching the ball? Yeah, you got you to gotta do hand-eye coordination. You got to do a lot of tracking um, kind of um, – skills and drills um you know if it's just you know throwing a, a tennis ball to him over his shoulder to help him track the object over his shoulder because that's a very difficult catch to make or if it's just checking out over the ball that may be coming a little fast um from tom you know you got to get him on the jug machine but it's more about repetition and getting him comfortable in the bang bang scenario it's not so much standing stationary after practice catching 500 footballs it's yeah. more in the practice getting him you got to have the distraction of defenders, hands, or something in the way just so he gets to, to train his eyes but also gain the confidence as you're mentioning. The best drill I, I've ever heard of is when I worked with Tim Brown. Tim told me that when he and Jerry Rice were on the Raiders together, you know, Tim was in his late 30s, Jerry was 40, and he, they said we knew that the first thing that was going to go on us was our hand-eye coordination before our speed would. And he said they numbered the footballs one through four – on the football and they had to call out the number as they caught it in practice. I'm like, that, that's hard, right? That ball's coming at you and you're calling out two or one, or I thought what a great ingenious thing to do. I don't know if you ever did that drill, but that sounds hard to me. So no, we didn't have that drill. We had, you know, balls painted on them. They had little, little dots on them, but never, never the numbers. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It, was, it seemed cool to me. It seemed like it worked too for those guys. Hall of Fame caliber dudes there. Uh, Rams at 49ers, the next game here. I've, I've got the 49ers are actually favored, and they looked terrible last week. They're favored by three. Over-under is 49 and a half, so you're talking about a, you know, 28-22 uh, game. That's kind of an odd score, but uh, you're not looking at a real high-scoring game, just a medium game here. When you think about the Rams at the Niners – what determines this game? Is it just the quarterback situation with San Francisco, or do you think it's something else? This rivalry here really comes down to the trenches. I think it's about the front seven on both defenses, who gets out to the quarterback, who gets the quarterback off their spots, and, um, you know, and for the, the opposing offense on each both teams, who can establish the run. Um, because it's such a physical game, I've been a part of it for um, a number of years. Yeah. I think, I think you got to look for the play action, who's successful in the play action game. Um, these explosive plays that, that could be created. And um, who's, I mean, who's probably the quarterback who's more accurate that day. So I personally, I'm a little biased in this one, of course, but I'm going to go with the Rams, the L.A. Rams. And I think it's, you know, Jared Goff in this offense looked like it's his team now. You know, Gurley's going yeah. on. Yeah, and I think Goff is just blossoming as a quarterback. I got to ask you, so you were still with the Rams in 2011. I think that's the year Josh Mc. Daniels was your offensive coordinator. I'm trying to remember, but you definitely. It was. It was. Yeah. The, that was the year the 49ers defense was, I mean, they had Justin Smith. Up, it was Sopoaga, Justin Smith, Ray McDonald front. They had Ahmad Brooks, uh, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman at linebacker. They had Dante Whitner bringing the lumber from safety to Sean Golson. What was it like facing those dudes? You know, it was my favorite. Um, it was between Seattle and the San Francisco defense. Uh, even, the, even the Cardinals, you know, that they get slept on a lot. But yeah, I, my division games, I knew that I had to bring my hard hat and my lunch pail because it was never a week off. Um, and they knew more than likely 80% of the offense was going to 3-9. So it was yeah. like, you know, yeah. it was, everybody knew that it was going to be a long day for both sides. That's right. I forgot about the Cardinals. I bet you Darnell Dock and Calais Campbell face planted you uh, a couple. Of, Calais Campbell's I, 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 a piece. I would say so much Calais Campbell. I, I, the, oh. first, the first level of defense was not my concern. It was always the yeah. second or third level. But this is a guy people forget about, Adrian Wilson. Yes. Big box safety. 
Big box safety, and uh, I think a lot of people don't realize he was a very impressive football player. Yeah, and, you know, uh, boy, I could, dude, we could deep dive on this kind of stuff for two hours. And, and <laughs> But I, I got to tell you that the Cam Chancellors and the Adrian Wilson big box safeties are – they're dinosaurs now because safeties are almost interchangeable with corners because they're so worried about uh, the passing game and everyone's playing a four-two-five out there. Uh, one of these days, Stephen, they're going to get to the point where they've got outside linebackers that weigh 215 or 205, and the big backs like you are going to come back and run all over everybody. But we're, I feel like we're shifting, you know. Yeah. But Yeah, that's probably like when we were in our 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when a running back wins MVP again. Right, right. He probably still won't win it. Uh, okay, Bears at Panthers. This is my ugly knuckleball game of the week. Uh, Panthers. Two-and-a-half-point favorites. This is the kind of game you could go either way. This game's at Carolina. And, again, because there's, you don't have these packed houses, if, if it's two-and-a-half or three points that the home team's favored, they're really just, you know, it's, it's, it's not that much. You know, it's, it, this game could go either way. The over-under is 44, which is low. You're talking about a 23-21 game. And we've seen very few of those kinds of games. Almost every game this year has been uh, a track meet. So, did Vegas get it right? Is this going to be an ugly, you know, 20 to 19 game? Or do you actually think that Foles and Bridgewater are going to come out and ball? What do you see from this game? I, I, actually, I actually think Vegas has it right. I think it's an under game. I do think it's an ugly game. Um, I don't know what the weather's going to be like this weekend for them, but they're on natural grass. I could just see it being sloppy, a lot of slipping and sliding quarterbacks not very good with you know with the ball and defense being uh the midway of uh of the monsters of the 80s i could see chicago really leaning on their defense which have come through for them um king hicks king hicks and uh, robert quinn and those guys um bo jackson that defense to me is very impressive um but uh i just think with um christian i don't know if he's playing is he playing no, I don't think oh, yeah, so. I didn't think so, right? No, yeah. I don't think so. so. With, no. with, 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 yeah, yeah, he's with out. Him being out the, out the lineup for uh, Carolina, I think your explosive plays are down. Um, so, no, I think it's going to be a slug match, but I do – I have Chicago Bears winning. Yeah, the um, – by the way, I need to backtrack a little bit. I got off of Rams 49ers so quick. I've got the Rams to cover and win, just like you said, and I also am taking the over in that game. I think there will be scoring more than 49.5 points in that game. Bears Panthers, however, I don't want to touch this. Like you don't, you don't have to bet on every game. Really, you don't. Like go to the war table, play war with the <laughs> cards. You know, just, just whatever. If you say, but dude, I really, I just, I'm a, I'm a Bears fan or Panthers fan. I just want to lay five bucks against my grandpa in this game. Carolina, Carolina to win by three or more. Am I, am I right, or do you think the Bears win this game on the road? I, I, I don't think you're right. I think Bears get this win on the road. I, uh, I still think that um, Teddy Bridgewater and his coach, um, Coach Rule, I think they're still – I don't think they really really know each other yet. Um, there's been some turnover issues, if I'm correct in my head, with, uh, with their offense at Carolina. I just, mm -hmm. I just think uh, the Bears, man, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Got I'm, the Bears, huh? Yeah, I just, maybe I'm just a sucker for that uh, old-school kind of play in uniform, but I, I like them. <laughs> Well, I will say this. Bridgewater played really well against the Falcons. And uh, I don't know. I just find Teddy Bridgewater one of the – I know this isn't really like a strong technical football point, but I, I can't think of anyone that people root for more <laughs> around the league than Alex Smith and, and Teddy Bridgewater because they both come back from so much. One of you, just with uh, Christian McCaffrey – he was eligible to come off IR in week six, but I, I don't think the Panthers are going to take their franchise player, Stephen, and say, okay, you're off IR. Let's give you 30 carries. I, I think we're another week or two away from, from seeing him, but you never know. You never know. Uh, so I don't have Bears, Panthers. I don't have this game as one that I would bet on. But, again, if you want to bet five bucks against your grandpa or a, a package of big league chew, Remember Big League Chew, the gum, you put it in your uh, – yeah. If you want to bet that, take the Panthers to cover. Okay, my last game I've got for you to dive into here, Cardinals at Cowboys. I, to me, this is a tale of the quarterback, Stephen. I mean, you know, uh, but Andy Dalton 
is in the driver's seat now for the Cowboys. I, do you, is that the most important thing in this game, or do you see something else being more important in this game? You know what I do? I actually do. I, I'm really interested to see how Andy Dalton handles this um, offense. We get to see kind of if Dak decides, right, if the injury didn't happen and Dak went on to another team, we can kind of see what Dallas would look like without Dak being at the quarterback um, uh, QB1. I think you're going to get a heavy dose of the next three months of the, of the season of Zeke Elliott now, right? I think, I think you're going to go with their bread and butter. That's what the Cowboys – Is he the same back, though? Is he the yeah. same back? Is he the that same? That he was. Yeah, um, I, I, I think, don't know if I, he looks the same to me. I don't know. If, I don't know. I hope he is because this is the time he's a franchise running back, and this is the time to show and prove to everybody that not only is he uh, he's still elite, but he's worth every every penny. Uh, but I'm gonna go. This is a, a old Southwest rivalry between these two teams, and I love. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, what he's doing out there in out west, you know. Yeah. I don't understand why they let him out of Houston, but he's leading the league in reception, and he looks really, really good. And you have, you know, Larry Legend on the other side of him. That Not that DeAndre needs a mentor, but if you can learn from the best that's still playing at a high level and add that to your repertoire, I mean, this offense is going to be explosive for a long time. You know what I just realized is that you and Larry came in the same year. Yes, we did. We played each other, actually, in the Insight Bowl. It's <laughs> you know, I got to I got to tell you this. Uh, well, I want to finish the Cardinals Cowboys, but I have a good story about the 2004 draft with you. Just wrapping up this particular game. I'm, I'm looking at the Cowboys first quarter offense. So Dak's been putting up all these numbers and obviously got hurt and that that stunk. But in the first quarter, the Cowboys offense wasn't good. So much of their numbers, Stephen, have come when they've been down two or three scores, if they could get off to a fast start, they'd be better. And last week they were down 17-3 to the Giants, and they started running the ball. When they didn't run Zeke, they brought Tony Pollard in and ran him. And I was thinking, this is what you should be doing all along because that's only going to make Dak and those receivers more effective if teams have got to start worrying about stacking the box, right? I think they should do that with Andy Dalton. And the last thing I'll say about this is, this idea that, oh, yeah, it's just Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was a pretty good starter in the NFL. And this is his 10th year. And I know Tom Landry, the Cowboys' legendary head coach, used to say that when a quarterback was in his 10th year or his early 30s, that's when he's pretty much seen everything. He, he's seen it all. He knows everything that you're going to do. But, Stephen, they're not so old that their arm can't make the throw that they want to make. Like, you bring a 40-year-old quarterback out there, normal 40-year-old quarterback, not Drew Brees and Tom Brady, they know what they're seeing, but sometimes they can't make the throw to beat what they're seeing. I think Andy Dalton could revive his career. Do, do, you, do you think that's too positive Perry here for me, or, or what do you think? No, actually, I agree with you. Um, AJ, I, you're, you're dead on. I agree with everything you just said. I think uh, people forget how good him and AJ Green were. Yes. Cincinnati together. You know, at one point, you know, AJ was up there one, two in the league at receiver and Andy, that was his favorite target. So he has some really good um, receivers there. Now, you know, you got Cooper, you have a uh, uh, CD lamb. So he has the weapons, you have the running back, you have the big offensive line. Now you just got to, you know, step in his and what he knows. Don't be anything else. Don't be that. Yeah. Don't try to out. Don't try to prove everybody. You still got it. Just go out there and do it. And Just I, go, and I, he, yeah. yeah, and I think that's his makeup, though, right? He's not, he's not overly flashy, so I think he's going to do just that. He did it last week, threw a beautiful deep ball to Michael Gallup down the sideline, really tough throw, great catch, and, and put the Cowboys in position to win, so get, give him the credit. Uh, my prediction on this, the Cowboys are favored by three. I don't love that. Honestly, I could see the Cardinals going in there and beating them, Steven, so I'm not touching that. Plus, it's too close. Um, Over-under is 54-and-a-half, though. I'm going to take the over on that. I think this could be a high-scoring game. Your thoughts? I agree with you. I think it's an over as well, but I'm going to go with uh, Arizona Cardinals. I, uh, okay. I, I love what the Cardinals are doing. I, I think they're uh, in the NFC West. Um, that has the possibility of having three teams in the playoffs. Um, so they have a lot to play for. Hey, man, they could have four teams in the playoffs because they expanded the playoffs this year. Yeah. The, the 49ers – might be the worst team in the division right now, and I think they're going to turn it around. So 
We'll, we'll see about that. Real quick, uh, Cowboys draft story involving you. 2004, the Cowboys need a running back really bad. I think the Cowboys picked it like 22nd or something, and they had a chance to get you. Okay, I, I don't remember what their pick was. They had a chance 20, to get Steven Jackson. I think there were – no, New England was 21. They were 22. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So what do they do? They trade that pick to Buffalo so Buffalo can get J.P. Lossman, and they take Julius Jones in the second round. They thought we really pulled one over on everybody. And Julius had, you know, some nice moments in the NFL, but holy cow. If the Cowboys could have had Romo with Terrell Owens – Terry Glenn at wideout, a young Jason Witten at tight end, and Steven Jackson at running back. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then to spell you with Marion Barber sometimes. Talk about laying the wood between you and Marion Barber. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Let my, me tell dad, you. my dad uh, was a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan until that moment. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> it almost happened. <laughs> it almost happened. The Cowboys got a first-round pick out of it, and they spent it on Marcus Spears the next year. But uh, who ended up being a pretty good player. But, oh, man, did Cowboys fans want Steven Jackson so bad. Little little trip down memory lane for you. Okay, so i got a bunch of games here. I just want to get your quick, quick prediction. Uh, whatever you think, whoever you think is going to win. Uh, Denver at New England. Oh, New England. Yeah, New England favored by nine. That is a big number after not playing. Yeah, to be, number, yeah. Yeah, all right. Houston at Tennessee. Ooh, Tennessee. The way Tennessee looked, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, and I would absolutely take Tennessee to cover three points here. I think they win by seven or more. Uh, Baltimore at Philly. Um, Baltimore. I think um, they just had that swag. and I, Yeah, Baltimore. Could this be a trap game, though, you think, for the Ravens? I don't know. Philadelphia, I think, is better than what we've seen, Stephen. I, I refuse to believe this is a 6-10 and 10 football team, but I don't know. The NFC East is so bad. Maybe maybe six and ten wins the division. <laughs> the division. You know, uh, yeah, it may not it may not be too far off seven and nine or something. But I do think uh, Hardball will make sure there's not a trap game, which it could be. But I don't think yeah. they allow that to happen. It's a good point. By the way, the under is eight and one in Philadelphia's last nine home games. That means that they've been low scoring when Philadelphia's played at home. But by the way, I hate those kind of trend numbers. I'm giving it to you because our producer Ryan really wants me to give you that kind of stuff. But those trends sometimes, man, they, they, you, you can't do trends in the NFL. Every season is a new season, especially this one. So I wouldn't pay attention to that. I just avoid this game altogether. Plus, I wanted to throw Ryan under the bus real quick. Uh, Washington at the Giants. This is an ugly football game. Yeah. What do you got? I got to go with the Giants. I go with the G-Men. I like the signing of Devontae Freeman. Um, you know, we shared a backfield one year in, in, in Atlanta together. But I love, um, I love the quarterback. I love the way he's playing football right now. So, although it's going to be an ugly game, I'm going to go with the G-Men. Yeah, uh, over-under on this game, 43, very low. Atlanta at Minnesota. Atlanta needs a win desperately. Minnesota looks pretty good, even though they lost and their record stinks. They've looked better. Yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota. Uh, Atlanta has a head coach change, but they're on the road. And I think uh, right now they just can't get it together. I got to go with the home team. This is another one of those trends. The under is seven and one in the past eight games. Uh, Minnesota's past eight games. You know, I I don't know that I want to take the under on Atlanta and Minnesota. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of scoring. Uh, Detroit, Jacksonville. Get excited. Right, right. Uh, I gotta go with Detroit. I'm gonna go with Detroit. Um, I think you know. I think they're a decent team, a middle of the road kind of team, um, but well coached. And I think they're uh, scenario wise, they they get it right. Yeah, Detroit hasn't scored over 29 points. No 30-point games for the Lions yet this year. And that's actually noticeable given how much the scoring has been up in the league so far this year. Uh, Bengals at Colts. The Colts were looking really good until Cleveland. Yeah, Bengals at Colts. Um, you know, that's a toss-up game, too. That one's yeah. – uh, I'm going to go Bengals, though. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to go Burrow. I just want to see – I want to see what the young guy could do on the road. Yeah, well, let me tell you, Vegas and me – uh, or would it be Vegas and I? I think it's Vegas and I uh, yeah, yeah. are not. Are, yeah, are not with you. The Colts are eight point favorites in that no, game. I'm Although the, I'm swinging for the fence. That's okay. No, that's okay. I mean, yeah. I, I tell you what. If you're betting on this game, Bengals and the points. You know, if you're right, maybe the Bengals lose, but only by a field goal. I personally would stay away from this game, but uh, that's not a bad play to make. Okay, last one. Uh, Jets at the Dolphins. 
<laughs> uh, Dolphins. I'm going to go with um, the home team. Uh, Got to go Fish Patrick Magic. Play, we drafted him in 05. So I've seen it. I remember that. Personal. I've seen it up close and personal. He actually played pretty well for you guys uh, that year. I, I remember that. Okay. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, the next time we do this, I really would like it if you did the three-quarter zip, smedium, <laughs> dry fit polo. You seem like that guy that would wear that to the club. I, I have think, any maybe. of those, but I'll make sure I order that. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well let's uh let's do this uh i don't know maybe around sunday night football we could do a halftime uh instagram live i don't know if you ever do the ig live it's very technical are you are you a big social media stud so the ig live i've done uh two i think two two yeah um one on dress shoes <laughs> i looked at your ig man i looked yeah. i looked yeah man so uh yeah so yeah let's figure it out and make it happen Dude, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate your insight. And uh, for those of you guys that don't know, like I've been giving him a hard time, but Steven's one of the best power backs to ever play. And I, I know he caught the ball and he was great in fantasy, but there aren't a lot of guys that, that run with authority like that, that last that long, have that durability, uh, put up the kind of numbers. You know, there's Eddie George, John Riggins, Jerome Bettis. There aren't many of you guys. And, and, uh, Dude, it's just, it's great to work with you. It's an honor, and uh, you were a heck of a player. And I just got it. For the people that are young that are watching this that didn't get to see you in your prime, uh, 2006, when you had about 8,000 touches, uh, you know, great player, man. Great player. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon, man. You bet. Take care.